We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. It's the end of the week, and I think it's time to talk about solutions rather than the problems. Oh, I've highlighted all of them this week, or at least a lot of them. Naomi Osaka being the poster child of the narcissism that's pervasive across the land. California suggesting that mathematics is grounded in white supremacy and that they shouldn't be emphasizing correct answers. But today we won't talk about that much anymore. We'll talk about how to fix the problem. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. Sometimes I think all of us get uh, bogged down in the negative, and I'm guilty of that. Oh, perhaps more so than even all of you listening. Maybe it's the nature of doing a radio show or a podcast or writing for the Washington Times You're always trying to identify the problem. It's kind of like a doctor, I suppose. You're looking for uh, the right diagnosis so that you can administer the right medication. And therefore, I suppose you're looking for problems. You're looking at the underbelly of the situation more often than not. But today, let's try to focus on solutions rather than problems. Now, I will set the context I know this week I've talked about a variety of different things. I spent a couple shows talking about Naomi Osaka and how she is the poster child for the narcissism that's pervasive across Western civilization, not just the United States, but Western civilization in general. That we actually have multimillionaires, accomplished athletes, and it's just, it's just not in athletics. I'm sure it's in a variety of other um, professions, such as music or oh, the academy, for sure. Um, the business world is rife with this nonsense right now. A perfect example is Amazon with its Amazon booths, safe spaces, where its employees can go hide from reality. But I digress. I said I don't want to spend much time focusing on the problems in this particular show. I'd rather talk about solutions. So with that brief overview of some of the topics that I've discussed already this week, and a lot of the stuff that we've focused on in previous weeks, let's take an early break and then discuss the solutions. What are we to do? Can this problem be solved or Are we so far gone that there's no turning back? I believe it can be solved. As I've mentioned before in previous shows, ultimately, at the end of days, I'm an optimist. I know who wins. As a Christian, I believe that Jesus will keep his promise. He can't do anything but. If Jesus is who he claims to be, If he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, if Jesus is the second person of the triune God, 
then Jesus is not only Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God incarnate, walking the face of the earth for 33 years, crucified on a cross, buried, risen, and coming again. Jesus is not just that. He is the eternal God. He inspired not only the words in the New Testament, but he is the God behind all of the revelation of the Old Testament. And that God, that Logos, that word made flesh and dwelling among us, that judge at the end of days, that lamb lamb of God, that Lion of Judah, promised us that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And I'm going to take that one to the bank. So if I'm part of his church with a capital C, if I'm part of the body of Christ, then at the end of time, that team wins because Christ told us so. Now, as I've said before, I don't know what happens between now and then. We may hit a few bumps in the road. The ride may get a little rough. It's like my old boss, Dr. Jim Chapman at Spring Arbor University. Great Christian man. My mentor in so many ways. I've told you before that as a college president, he was responsible for raising money. So every winter, he would go down to Florida, to Naples and whatnot, to try to raise funds for the university. Sidebar, the job description of every university president is about 105% fundraising. (laughs) That's your job. All the other stuff is just ancillary distractions. You're responsible for raising money and balancing the budget. So Dr. Chapman would go down to Naples, and I think the number of college and university presidents that reside in Naples during the winter months has to be astronomical because that's a great place to raise funds. Anyway, Chapman would go down there to raise money, but he would always drive from Michigan to Florida. And then he would drive back from Florida to Michigan halfway through the winter to take care of some business in the office. And then he'd turn around and drive back to Florida again to raise money. And one day I pulled him aside and I said, Dr. Chapman, why do you drive? You're wasting all of that time on the road. Driving all the way. It's probably a 24-hour drive. So it takes him, he didn't drive straight through at his age. It took him two or three days to get there and two or three days to get back. And then he'd turn around and do it all over again, at least two or three different times during the course of the winter months. So again, I said, why do you do this? And he looked at me and he said, well, I'm afraid to fly. And I said, why are you afraid to fly? I said, you're a Christian. You're born again. You know where you're going at the end of your time, at the end of your days? He said, oh, I know that. He said, it's not eternity that I'm worried about. It's the two-minute drop from 30,000 feet to zero that I'm worried about. So with that little bit of levity in mind, let's get ready to take a break. Oh, we know the the, the end of the story. We know who wins. It's not eternity that we need to worry about if we're part of the body of Christ. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. Well, we may have a bump or two in the road along the way. Yeah, okay, that two-minute drop from 30,000 down to zero is not something we all look forward to. But there is a way 
to fix this mess we're in. I don't think we have to resign ourselves to crash, to crashing. I think we can correct. I think we can correct the problem and stay aflight. Let's take a break, acknowledge our sponsors. And when I get back, well, review this mess we're in, I suppose, a little bit further, but then I'd like to offer what I consider to be the solution. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. So this week has been another week of lunacy. Osaka quits the French Open because somebody dared to ask her a question that created self-doubt, excuse me, created self-doubt, and therefore she needed to go spend some me time. <laughs> go to her Amazon booth or whatever she had to do. I don't know. My land, do you think maybe our enemies are watching us right now? Do you think China's watching us? That we can't even play a tennis match without feeling offended, threatened, that we need counseling, we need to be coddled, we need a Amazon booth at work because we feel too stressed. Oh. China's watching, North Korea's watching, Iran's watching. They're all watching. Cuba's watching. They're watching while they're building up massive armies and military infrastructure. We're talking about how bad we've been since 1619 and how everybody with a certain color of skin should feel ashamed of themselves and stumble around apologizing and how you're Sexual desires define who you are. And if you want to do something in your bedroom, I guess that is the end-all and be-all of human identity. And we're going to wave our rainbow flags and have a month of celebrating pride rather than maybe focusing on the principles that made this country great in the first place. Now, we tear it all down. We disparage it rather than, rather than teach the good stuff, the American virtues to our progeny. Anyway, in my book, Not a Daycare, in my commentary, Not a Daycare, which I mentioned yesterday again, I talked about how that grow-up attitude that this is a university, it's not a daycare, I'm not going to coddle you, I'm going to confront you. If you want to feel comfortable rather than have your character challenged, then go someplace else because... At my university, we're going to teach the liberal arts. We're going to teach the liberation that comes from selflessness rather than the bondage that comes from focusing on yourself all the time. That was the basic message of Not a Daycare, and it resonated with a lot of people. As I've told you before, I know at least three and a half million people clicked on that story within the first two weeks. And I think the reason it resonated is people understand that civilizations civilizations stand and fall by the power of ideas and that the ideas that we're imbibing these days are bad ideas and therefore our civilization is in jeopardy. Military conquests may capture the imagination of our historians, but the paths of empires and nations are determined by the convictions that their people hold. Americans know that the slogans protesters are chanting are signs of our country's future. 
and the childish pouts of me and mine can almost always be traced back to a key source, and that's bad ideas, bad teaching, bad preaching, and bad parenting, as I discussed yesterday. The three sources, the three entities that are supposed to teach and inculcate our cultural ideas and our progeny. And today we're teaching bad ideas to large swaths of society. And as a result, we see a bunch of people throwing collective temper tantrums from Portland to Minneapolis to Kenosha to Washington, D.C. What we've been teaching in our schools is now bearing itself out in the behavior that we're seeing in our streets. That's just a fact. Garbage in, garbage out. If you're going to teach nonsense, you're going to get People that have no sense. I said yesterday, we need to go back to the wisdom of Solomon. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is not a promise. You're going to say, oh, well, I know some people that did a very good job of parenting, but their child went off the rails. When you read these types of proverbs, it's a principle. It's not an absolute promise. The principle is that if you do this, if you train up your child in the way he should go, that by and large, you're going to raise virtuous children. But if you don't train up children in the way they should go, you're going to have a bunch of kids that are prone to vice rather than virtue. They're going to be vindictive. They're going to be very angry. and They're going to be very selfish because you didn't do your job as a parent. You didn't do your job as a teacher. And the preachers let you down. Again, Richard Weaver, 1948, Ideas Have Consequences. Ideas matter. There's no such thing as a neutral idea. So the solution here is very simple. Good ideas. That's the solution. If we got into this mess by teaching bad ideas, the solution is simple, people. I'm going to say it one more time. It's very simple. This is not complicated. We can correct this free fall. We can get the plane righted and level. It doesn't have to continue to plummet toward catastrophe. We can correct this situation, and the way to do so is through good ideas. If you want to live in a society that has good things rather than the opposite, you need to make sure that your society is permeated with good ideas. Ideas. The reason Weaver wrote his book in the first place is he recognized that the evil the world had suffered at the hands of the Third Reich and Mussolini and Stalin and the Empire of the Rising Sun was as predictable as the sunrise. The ideas that these regimes embraced, the ideas that they promoted and promulgated among their citizenry led to the atrocities of National Socialism, the Ukrainian famine, the Nazi Holocaust, etc., etc., etc. Garbage in, garbage out. The world suffered a lot of garbage because of bad ideas. So the solution is very simple. The solution is simple. My industry, education, 
my church, the church founded by Jesus Christ. And parenting. Parenting, which is founded by God himself. Education, the church, and parenting can solve this problem by focusing on good ideas. Well, you say, you keep saying good ideas. Well, what are they? Well, (laughs) I think the answer is found in mature thinking and mature ideas. It's found in the old time tested truths, those things that the liberal arts stood for, the pursuit of truth. Like I've said, many library headers had these words etched in stone across Europe and here in the United States. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Mature ideas are grounded in truth. Immature ideas are grounded in feelings. So the solution is found in pursuing truth rather than protecting our opinions. Model that. Demonstrate that. Show that you care more about what's right and what's true and what's real. Show that if the truth corrects you, if you were wrong, that you're willing to admit it and submit to the truth. Model that for your kids. Model that for other people. Let them know that the truth is more important to you than your feelings or your ambition to win the argument. The solution is found in pursuing truth rather than protecting opinions. It's found in facts rather than feelings. The solution is found in the moral and intellectual laws that have been tested by time, defended by reason, validated by experience and endowed to us through the revelation of our creator. Did you see what I just did? Did you hear what I just did? That was the quadrilateral there. The solution is having a worldview that's been proven and tested over the millennia to be valid and virtuous and good and just. So I'm going to say it again. The solution is found in the moral and intellectual laws that have been tested by time. Grandma and grandpa probably know something. Don't discard the old ideas just because they're old. They're probably around today because they're better than your new ideas that are five minutes old. The moral and intellectual laws that have been tested by time. Defended by reason. Be rational. Be logical. Don't let people tell you that logic is just white supremacist thinking. That's garbage. That's nonsense. That's actually racist because it's implying that non-whites don't have the intellectual capacity to be logical, to understand logic. And if that isn't insulting to blacks and Hispanics and natives and Asians, I don't know what is. Don't take the bait. Continue to defend those intellectual laws, those moral ideas that have been tested by time and defended by reason and validated by experience, you don't hesitate to ask people, how's that working for you? How's that sexual nihilism working for you? 
Are you healthy? Are you happy? How's that drug abuse and use and recreational use of that stuff working for you? Are you healthy? Are you happy? How's that anger, that BLM anger, that critical race theory anger, that self-righteousness, that smugness of being woke? How's that working for you? Are you healthy? Are you happy? Defended by reason, validated by experience. The Dr. Phil question, how's that working for you? And then finally, the trump card. Endowed to us by our creator, revealed to us through scripture and natural law. That's the solution. Oh, it may seem esoteric and it may seem too general, but I really believe that's the solution. Ask the good questions that take people back to those basic intellectual and moral laws. Don't let them discard the old just because they think their new ideas are better. Don't let them disparage reason and rationality and logic. Ask the good questions about experience. How's it working for them? And then ask them if they know more than God. If they say they don't believe in God, then you might want to turn around and simply ask, then why are we even having the, this debate? If there is no God, none of it matters. It's just power. Just power at the end of the day. It's who can crush whom. Survival of the fittest. Darwinism, after all. So, good ideas versus bad ideas. Ideas of freedom versus fascism. Hmm, might be a solution there, huh? Ideas of self-giving rather than selfishness. Hmm. Might want to talk to BLM about that one. Critical race theorists about that one. We've done enough of bemoaning the problem this week. I've done enough of that. Let's talk about personal responsibility, not personal grievances. Maybe we should talk about virtue rather than victimization. Maybe we should talk about growing up and stop the griping and the grousing. Maybe we should focus on ideas, good ideas, enduring ideas. Again, that have been proven by the test of time to work. Ideas that actually help make us a mature nation of self-giving adults rather than a fragmented culture of self-centered children. Maybe if we would just encourage each other to act like adults, we would stick out like a sore thumb in this infantilized world of perpetual whining and complaining and pouting. Maybe we should remember this. Walking is better than crawling. That's the first chapter in my book, Grow Up, by the way. Walking is better than crawling. And that when we constantly fixate on me and mine and you hurt my feelings, and I want this and I want that, and I don't feel loved, and I need my Amazon booth, 
that all of that is essentially perpetual crawling. It's infantile. It's childish. Maybe we should remember that it's time that we grow up. Take our first steps. Act like adults. Stop hashtagging adulting and start actually accepting adult responsibility. Maybe one of the most important ideas is that we understand that growth and maturity are good. Becoming an adult rather than stagnating and perpetual adolescence is a good thing. And at the same time, growth and maturity also require learning. If you want a culture to become more mature, then it needs to learn, right? Well, learn what? Learn the right things. Learn the hard truths. Not be protected and coddled all the time. A simple truth like no pain, no gain. I mean, that may seem flippant, but it's such an important truth. No pain, no gain. Avoiding challenging ideas or challenging experience, challenging circumstances means that you're not going to grow. There's not going to be any progression. There's no growth, no progression, no maturation. Avoiding real education. Painful education leaves you stuck in adolescence and prevents everyone from becoming an adult. If we want an adult culture rather than this Osaka nonsense and not a nation full of a bunch of spoiled 25-year-old teenagers, we should focus on the ideas that have been proven to work. And we should teach our progeny, our children, our grandchildren, our nieces and our nephews, everybody under our charge, which is everybody, we should teach our neighbors and our children that the best ideas are those ideas that history has shown to work, period. Those are the best ideas rather than the avant-garde ideas that have been proven over and over again by history to fail. Socialism, racism, critical race theory, critical theory, Marxism, it doesn't work. The solution is simple, people. The solution is the pursuit of truth rather than the protection of opinions. Because the facts don't care about your feelings. We teach the right stuff. We're going to have the right culture. Train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old, not depart. I'm Dr. Herbert Piper, and this is The Rebellion.